Hello, everybody. My name is Gary Fowler, and I am the CEO, president, and co-founder of GSD Venture Studio. It's a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in Santa Clara, California. I've been in technology for many, many years, over 30 years, 17 startups, and I've been involved in two unicorns. I was on the original management team at Click Software, and also, uh, which was sold to Salesforce, and also Eva.ai, a company I founded a little over five years ago with Dr. David Yang. Love artificial intelligence and quantum computing, and it's with uh, great ado that uh, I have my friend, Don Pierce, here with me today. Hey, Don, how you doing, buddy? Gary, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, so how long have we known each other? Oh, let's see. I would probably go back. Um, I went into uh, Moscow in the uh, summer of 2004. So somewhere around that time, I think we, I think we met in the, uh, in the fall of 2004. That's amazing. Can you believe it? <laughs> it feels like yesterday. yesterday huh? I remember we went to uh, Molly Gwynn's and had a beer. Yes. We're talking and had some fun. So Don and I met, I was over in Russia. Uh, I'm the co-chair of the American Chamber of Commerce Technology Committee, even today. And we had met at the embassy. Don is just an invaluable resource working for the Commerce Department and the uh, law official with the Commerce Department and uh, gave great advice and great direction. So I really appreciate it. And it's with that we've been. Uh, and what did you do? So, Don, so you, you came to Moscow. Where did you go after Moscow? So I had come to Moscow as the uh, export control attaché, which is I was the cop amongst the salespeople at the uh, at the at the commercial section. Um, you know, it's part of the uh, commercial services responsibility is to make sure that U.S. exporters are you know staying on the right side of the law as well as getting into these new markets. So I found that my role was uh, almost as much as a protector, ensuring that people were getting involved in deals that weren't going to go sideways thanks to uh, regulatory issues. But, uh, but I had started my career as a criminal investigator in the New York field office of the Office of Export Enforcement. And uh, actually after Moscow, went back to New York, did a couple more cases, and then spent five years in Singapore as the regional export control officer covering a good chunk of uh, Southeast Asia, which was, yeah, it was just a fantastic how assignment. Is how is it? So I know Moscow, you know, Moscow, Russia is a little bit different and, you know, we uh, got a lot of friends and, and et cetera, but how was it going from Moscow to Singapore? Was there a vast cultural difference, you know, when you, when you moved over there? So the joke was that I suffered through three Russian winters to earn five years of endless summer. <laughs> the, um, the, to be honest, the, 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 the differences are, were night and day um, in many ways uh, with regards to the, obviously, the climate. Um, the types of industry and the types of uh, organizations that were coming in into the commercial section. Um, my primary role in both places was to do pre-license checks and post-shipment verifications. So basically making sure that the items went to where they were supposed to be going and were doing what they were supposed to be doing and hadn't been diverted to a, a weapons of mass destruction or missile technology and use or uh, siphoned off to terrorists or um, in some other way. Um, involved in something that was uh, against the national security or foreign policy interests of the United States. Oh my gosh, that sounds really, that sounds like Jason Bornish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, a lot, like, 
not as not nearly as many explosions. Let me tell you. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I know it's uh, you know, and it's it was kind of nice. It was really nice actually to to have somebody like yourself at the embassy that was so helpful and really guided the the companies that I was working with. And, you know, to do the right thing and move in the right direction. Yeah, it's incredible. So, okay, so you go to Singapore. What happens next? So Singapore is, um, it's an interesting post because of the fact that it's regional. So, um, and, and it's in a region where export controls uh, or, or as uh, referred to outside of the United States, often as strategic trade control systems, were starting to uh, formulate and evolve. So it was fascinating working with uh, countries like uh, Malaysia and uh, um, the Philippines on their uh, new export control laws and working with uh, places like uh, uh, Thailand that uh, were starting to look at how they could better control the goods and technology uh, that are key to their economic survival. Um, also, posted in Singapore, which uh, had a, were, they were early adopters, as, as always with the mm -hmm. Singaporeans, they were early adopters, and had a fantastic export control system um, uh, regulated through the uh, Ministry of Finance and through the uh, Singapore Customs uh, Service, which, you know, being an old customs guy, I started my career at JFK Airport as a customs inspector. It was, it was nice to be among customs people. <laughs> it was wow. a bit like the French Foreign Legion. A customs inspector to all the way through to enforcement. Yes, and um, after uh, five years uh, there, because that's as long as they allow you to stay. Uh, the joke is, if you go to the third deck of the embassy, you can see the claw marks in the wall where they dragged me out. <laughs> um, I went back to uh, headquarters for the Office of Export Enforcement and served as a liaison officer, where I worked at other people's headquarters. Which, if you're going to work at headquarters, that's a pretty good way to do it. No, that's great. And, and so you've gone down through and, and you retired now, right? You're yes. Out. Yes. I, I retired on February 29th, 2020, because how do you not go out on leap day? And of course, <laughs> um, I started this consultancy, uh, Sentinel LLC, um, on uh, the 1st of March. Well, I guess more like the 4th of March because I took the weekend off. But um, the uh, the it's been an interesting time to try and start a uh, a business. Um, you know, I, as as COVID hit, as uh, I, I, you know, my wife and I both um, had it very early in the. Uh, in fact, so early that we couldn't get properly tested because they weren't tested available yet. Really? So you <laughs> yes. Had, you had COVID. I, we think so. Um, and I have to admit, I've been putting off going and getting the official test to see if I still have the antibodies. But I got I got the Johnson & Johnson jab. I figure that's good enough. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. Well, I'm glad everybody's okay. And so how does it feel transitioning for, you know, for as a civil servant over to, to private life? How is it? I... So I always said that the best part of being an export control officer overseas is it's like getting an MBA for free because you're interacting in a slightly different way than you would as a criminal investigator with businesses and you know multinational uh, organizations and, and the government as well. Uh, when you're at the embassy, uh, you're just part of a, uh, you're a smaller part of a bigger team. 
that's made up primarily by State Department employees, but um, it's supported by not just the Department of Commerce, but the Department of Agriculture, the, uh, the Federal Aviation Administration, the uh, uh, Homeland Security, the FBI. Everybody has a, uh, uh, an interest at post at making sure that um, Americans in particular, but our you know, partners in country and in the region as well are, are protected. So we, I, I feel like that gave me a broader view of where the business um, entry points into the U.S. government exist and how best to, to ensure that they're getting what they need to stay safe, stay competitive, and you know, at the end of the day, um, be, be uh, fruitful and, 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 and make money. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, when you're dealing with all, it's just fascinating, when you're dealing with all those uh, groups, those agencies, are there a lot of politics done? <laughs> oh, of course not. No, no, politics never comes up. That, I have to admit, was my greatest um, uh, adjustment was, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, have, I have opinions like every other American, but I can't espouse them. You know, mm -hmm. I have to toe the line. So if the if the the um, if the ambassador tells me that I have to tell this company X, even if I don't agree with it, I have to tell them X. Um, it's it and it 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 really is um, you know apolitical when you get into the 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 weeds into the actual work. Um, there are very few instances. There are, you know there there are oddballs here and there, but in very few instances, especially in the law enforcement side, do you see um, a, a political decision outweighing a decision for um, prosecution from, say, the Department of Justice or um, interfering or stopping an investigation. Um, and uh, and overseas, it's mostly trying to make sure that you're putting the positive face of America out there as much as possible. But that can be difficult when you're telling a company that they can't have something because there's a risk of um, diversion or a risk that the item would be used um, in, a, in a way that the United States wouldn't agree with. And that's where the real, I think, the, 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 the real skill set that, um, that I developed came from, which is trying to deliver bad news in a way that doesn't turn them into terrorists. <laughs> wow. And how was that? I mean, when you did, now, did you ever go down through just, I'm really curious because they use, you went down and we're dealing with some and you said, obviously, you know, you don't really believe that there's a problem with it, but you have to toe the line like politically and doing, you said, you know, you're saying to yourself, this is kind of like BS. It's not like, right. But, but every you know, other people are saying, oh, you got to do this. Did you have those kind of feelings? So um, I, I'll give you a great example. There is a, a thing in the State Department referred to as the descent channel. When you send a cable back to, and we use the term cable, it's like an email, but, but it sounds sexier if you call it cable. So if you send a cable back, you're, you're supposed to use a specific channel. So like the channels that I worked in were economic and uh, commercial. But there was a special channel that anyone with access could send a dissent cable back to State Department saying, I was told to do this. I don't know if it's such a great idea. And one of the greatest success stories is one of my colleagues, um, not at who was a colleague of mine in Singapore in a prior posting, had sent a dissent cable uh, re regarding the U.S. policy on the president 
attending the uh, commemoration at Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I was a, a, a staunch supporter of the idea that uh, the president should should attend there. Now, it, you know, that was before I was at the embassy. I had, you know, nothing to do with this particular decision. But for years, we had kind of avoided it, and I felt like that was disingenuous. I mean, a major part of my role is preventing um, goods and technology of U.S. origin from falling into the hands of a, an illicit nuclear weapons program. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, I, th- I thought it was, you know, it was incredible when, when Barack Obama, you know, went and visited the, 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 uh, the, the ceremony. And, and I thought it was great. And it turns out that one of the, one of my colleagues had written a dissent cable channel, a uh, dissent channel cable, basically asking, why are we doing this? <laughs> and why, why can't we send the president to this? Why is this the policy? And I think that's the, that's the thing that often gets overlooked at how the State Department works. Wow, that's is, amazing. That's amazing. So you yeah. just heard. And, and I will give credit where credit is due. Um, they really do try to bring in the best and the brightest. And, uh, you know, my State Department colleagues, hopefully some of them have tuned in. <laughs> um, they, uh, they, they really are uh, a fabulous group of people, and they care deeply about this country. And they care deeply about the world. And um, when in country are advocates for the United States, but not in in such a way that you would think that they would be against anyone. They are try- we are trying to build the big tent. And I, I you know that's the it's the folks on the front lines that are that are they're doing that diplomacy day in, day out. I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I gotta tell you in, in Moscow it was really nice going over to the embassy and meeting mm-hmm. with folks and after, you know, and you know, I've got a lot of Russian friends, actually friends all over the world, because you gotta look at it the world through their eyes too, right? They mm-hmm. have a different view of what is right and wrong, et cetera. And, you know, the key is how do we make this world a better place, right? All when it's all said and done, how do we make it better as we leave this planet so the people come in behind us or kids, et cetera, can have a good a life. So it's incredible the work you've done. And how about, have you had any juicy stories that you could talk about <laughs> with somebody that, like there's some guy nefarious situation where you caught something, you know, and it's like, it was really not good. Were there situations like that where there's some technology that was being deployed that you said, that one's a, not a good deal. <laughs> that was definitely bad. Yeah. So, um, the, when we would get these assignments, they were often just presented to us as go here, ask about this, write it up and send it back with very little outside context other than the information regarding the shipment in question. And that's done on purpose. You know, we, you don't want to tip the hat to a person who's working overseas as to what the say suspicions of an investigator in the United States are. We want it clean. You know, we want it to be a fair and and you know without um, without prejudice when you walk through that door, and uh, so I got one of these uh, when I was in Singapore and sent me up to uh, to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to talk to a business, and uh, they were very cagey about when they would be available, and you know they would we would make an arrangement and I would book a flight <laughs> and the next thing you know, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do it. So I played a three strikes and you're out game um, in my mind on these types of cases. And you know, it's a, if they, you know, if they passed on three dates, 
I would schedule a trip to do something else and drop in on them. And that's what I did with this company. As we, we literally called from the lobby because the door was locked <laughs> and uh, um, we could hear them um, you know, in there. So they, they let us in, and, or I should say they, the person let us in. And uh, the office consisted of a room that was you know, maybe the size of a, of, a, of a small bedroom in a New York City apartment. Wow. With boxes packed. And, you know, the desks looked, you know, immaculately clean. So my first question was, are you moving in or are you moving out? <laughs> and, you know, they, they said they were moving in, but it didn't appear that anything was being unpacked. But yeah, all right, file it away, <laughs> write it down on your notepad. And we had a discussion about the commodities that they had ordered, and I'd asked them if they had received them. And they said, yes, we did. And I said, well, can you show them to me? And I said, well, no, because they're on the production line. Oh, well... <laughs> Is the production line in that closet over there? <laughs> I don't see a production line. Oh, well, we use a facility across town. Okay, no problem. Can I go see it? Can we just jump in the car? It's like, I got a car waiting for us outside. So, no, 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 I can't. I'm too busy today. I guess you know, unpacking, I suppose. <laughs> Even though they'd been there for, you know, at least six months. Wow. So, um, so I, I get him to give me the address of the and I say, well, you know, maybe maybe the next time I'm in town, we can go and visit. She's like, oh, absolutely. No worries. Sure. And, uh, we went down, we got in the car, and we drove over to that address, and we knocked on the door. You know, well, the worst they're going to tell me is, you know, there's nobody home. All right. You know, no problem. One of the things to keep in mind is, you know, when in, in the United States, a law enforcement officer could probably go back to a court and get a search warrant if they had enough probable cause to believe that there was something wrong. Um, but that doesn't exist when you're overseas. These are all voluntary meetings. They could literally leave the door closed and just tell me to go away, and uh, mm -hmm. you know I, I I feel like my um, my ability to tell people to uh, to go to hell in such a way that they look forward to the trip is a, is an <laughs> asset in this job. You know I can mm -hmm. talk my way in, and uh, you know so the the in this case I talked my way into this other facility, and a person hands me the business card, and the business card has a. Uh, a Tehran Iran address and a and an Iranian phone number and I ask him you know what do you do here it's oh well we make medical devices okay where do you send them oh they all go back to Iran so first of all the commodities that this guy was ordering have nothing to do with medical devices um, and, but they do have um, uses in missile technology and guidance wow systems. that's amazing so we were able to, unfortunately, this is slamming the barn door shut case. You know, we were able to stop them at that point. And uh, we did eventually criminally prosecute uh, the you know, members of that, uh, of that organization, as well as some of their uh, supporting char characters. But, um, but the, the, you know, the, the interesting, I think the most interesting part of that story is if we hadn't gone there and knocked on the door, how many more shipments would they have gotten? How mm -hmm. much more, you know, how many more goods in this case would, would have, you know, transited through, through uh, Malaysia? And might I add, as a violation of Malaysian law as well. Because one of the things about yeah. export controls is other countries have their own export controls. And in many cases, um, you know, like in Malaysia, the export control uh, commodities list that they have is based on the European Union's list. So whenever the European Union updates their list, the, uh, the, the Malaysians can update theirs. And 
many of these controls, especially the missile technology related controls come from what we refer to as the multilateral organizations. You know, in the case of missile technology, it's the missile technology control regime, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, uh, several countries or many countries that uh, sign on to this agreement and say, all right, we're not going to trade these commodities without knowing who we're doing business with. You know, a license will be required or there'll be some sort of a way to have to notify the government before you com- commit to a transaction in these types of uh, mm-hmm. technologies. And in the Malaysian case, this is, you know, this is interesting. Um, the way the Malaysian law reads is that if you export an item that required a license without getting it, and that item ends up killing someone overseas, you can get the death penalty because it is wow. the same thing as you, you know, building a weapon in Malaysia and killing someone there. Um, will that ever be charged? I doubt it. That's a very high evidentiary bar <laughs> to clear. Um, but, uh, but that's how seriously Malaysia takes this. Now, in the yeah. United States, you can relax. There's no death penalty. But um, the, uh, I think the reputational risk is you know, the, the corporate um, you know, uh, equivalent of a death penalty is finding out that your technology was being used to kill people overseas. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And what happened? Have you ever found people that are innocent? They didn't know where the mm-hmm. were gone because they had no clue. All of a sudden, they go into some warehouse and then some nefarious individuals are doing something else with it. Does that happen? So um, there are several cases where companies were the victim of uh, cybercrime, of, of, of intrusions and uh, exfiltrations of export controlled data. Um, does that put them on the hook? <laughs> Technically, but um, the United States is probably not going to prosecute somebody unless they can, you know, obviously to prosecute someone in a in a court of law, you would need to show that the activity was knowledge, that they had knowledge, that there was knowing and willful violation. So in other words, they knew what the law was and they did it anyway. That's not what you're going to get if you if, if you've accidentally left a back door open and somebody slipped in and got your stuff. You know, whether it be uh, a cyber-related technology crime or just simple warehouse theft, um, as long as they were to report it to the local police in time, I don't think anybody's going to get in trouble. But uh, but there are some cases where you might have a bad apple on the inside, and a company other you know otherwise completely compliant ends up in a transaction where a license would have been required or an unauthorized end user end user was detected. And frankly, the, the Commerce Department um, and the State Department for munitions items, the things that actually go boom, you know, I've, I dealt mostly in what they call dual-use commodities, the, you know, like the old 3M commercial. It, it isn't the missile, but it's what makes the missile better. <laughs> so, um, the, but in both of these cases, the government encourages companies that discover problems to come in and file what's called a voluntary self-disclosure. And uh, in the commerce system, there is great weight mitigation to filing that voluntary self-disclosure. In other words, if you come in and you let us know that something went horribly wrong, we're not going to fine you, you know, unless there's some type of activity or some evidence of you know, a grievous harm. Um, in most cases, a voluntary self-disclosure is settled with a warning letter. Don't go forth and send no more. And uh, the system, I think, works because it depends on the discovery at that 
you know, that, that core level of a company, you know, and we, we tell companies that what they should have is a top-down commitment to compliance because the CEO is probably not going to see the activity. And even if they do, they may not make the connection. But the person on the front lines, whether it be a compliance officer, a trained compliance officer, or someone who's just involved in the transactions um, but is familiar with export controls, might be able to stop something before it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's, and what about software? I mean, you can get, it's not like you're, you know, you have to send something over. You can just set up on a server. What happens? How do people know? I mean, because some, you know, these, some of the startups have no idea that they're, technology is dual use, right? They develop something that, you know, they're not sure and they're selling it all over the world or maybe it's cloud computing and people have access by just getting a subscription. And the difficulty there is if uh, you are sharing technology and technology is controlled, um, you know, you when you go and look at the uh, listings for, you know, particular commodities that require an export license, the, the technology required to reproduce those items are also generally uh, requiring a license. And that means if you are allowing access on your server to foreign nationals, whether they're in the United States or abroad, um, you may require a license for those transactions. In fact, there is a concept known as a deemed export, where if you were to um, provide the ability to recreate a controlled technology to a, an employee who is not a U.S. person, so it doesn't have a green card, um, you know, and uh, you know, it generally does not reside in the United States, you may be required to get a license before you can share that information with that employee. And uh, it's an interesting uh, field of law because there are uh, companies that get themselves in trouble because they overestimate that law and they won't hire people that aren't you know, American citizens or, or, or U.S. persons. And now we're getting into, is this a discriminatory hiring decision? And the, 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 so I don't want to scare people too much about this. The simple answer is um, a deemed export license isn't really that hard to get. I mean, it does take some planning and does take some time and it does, you do need to develop some information about your, your prospective employees that you're going to have to file for, for that license. But um, in, in many cases, that license is probably going to be approved. Uh, when I, when I was leaving the, the commerce department, the stats were, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 80% of licenses being approved. And of the 20% that weren't, um, it was a very rare circumstance that it was denied. In many cases, what the government will do is they will return the application without action, which is basically saying, listen, we're not going to make a decision on this until we find out this. And then they'll ask the question that they really need answered before they can make a good determination. Um, and uh, you know, to get an outright denial is actually rare. And that's usually because you've sent a, a, a license application in um, that clearly shows <laughs> a potential for um, being against the national security or foreign policy interests of the United States. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on today, about your consulting company, what, how you can help companies around the world. So um, I spent a good 30 years in the government and um, I... I believe that I excel at being able to translate from nerd 
to government wonk. <laughs> and um, taking those skills and basically allowing companies to understand how these systems really work, um, how they can protect themselves from the networks that are attempting to get significant technology from the United States, um, how to uh, ensure that their end users and end uses are appropriate they're not going to get tripped up by doing business with, say, a, uh, an organization that's on the BIS entity list because they're using a cutout company that isn't apparent. Um, you know, I was What's very good BIS? at picking those out. What's the BIS? What is that? I'm sorry. That is the Bureau of Industry and Security. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the old joke was, um, you know, we'll never put security before industry. And that's why it's in that order. <laughs> but um, but the, the, uh, the Bureau is the uh, primary dual use export control organization. They have both a licensing uh, uh, side, which is the uh, um, Office of, uh, in, of Export Administration. And they are also the policy people. And then mm -hmm. on the Office of Export Enforcement side is the, uh, the, the, the gun toters, the criminal investigators like I was. Interesting. So how can you help them? What do you do? Uh, well, first, I can provide advice as to when they might need a license and you know, how that license should be filed. And um, I can help with voluntary self-disclosures by going you know, alongside your company personnel and reviewing the transactions and letting them know where they, where they may have fallen afoul of the law. Um, I can help with uh, open source investigations on uh, potential new end users, uh, trying to find out if the uh, organization that you're doing business with is who they say they are and is doing what they say they do. And as the, uh, as the world opens up, um, hopefully be able to provide that service in person by doing the same types of site visits that I did for the government. But in this case, the report comes to you. And you know that might be a really good way to head off problems before that's, that occurs. Well, that's fantastic, Don. So, you know, I, I, you, you're an amazing guy. You've done amazing things. I know how help you, helpful you were to me uh, and the companies that I've worked with over in, uh, in Russia. And you've been a great member. You would come into my AmCham meetings, American Chamber of Commerce meetings, and valuable insights. So, really appreciate it. Don's a great guy. And so if you got a company you want to go global, he's a great person to be able to talk to to make sure that you're complying with the law. And if you've got some potential partners, to be able to check it out to make sure that everything's uh, right and copacetic. So great. How do people get a hold of you? What's the best way to get a hold of you, Don? So you can uh, check out the website at uh, www.sentinelllc.net. And uh, that's S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. LLC. I couldn't get any more L's in there. It's illegal. Um, um, or you can uh, reach out to me. I'm on uh, um, on LinkedIn. Um, the uh, I also put out a a daily uh, review of um, news stories with uh, connection to export controls called the Sentinel Situation Report, and uh, that's available at uh, Paperly. So it's p a p e r l dot l i slash sentinel llc no that's great well you're a great guy and um whatever we can do to be able to help out thank you for coming on my show today it's greatly appreciated and to my audience thank you once again for tuning in to gsd presents silicon valley ai and tech my name is gary fallon i'm your host stay tuned because i'll be back again on thursday with another exciting episode of gsd presents thank you stay safe stay happy 
keep smiling. Take care. Thanks, Don. Thank you.